0: You are listening to a Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We encourage you to share this with friends and family, but ask that you do not edit it without the permission of the owners. This Bible Talk is designed to supplement belonging to a local church with its teaching and community, not to replace it. We pray this talk helps you love Jesus and become more like Him. Well, hello everyone. Uh, I thought I'd just jump in here and say that this is going to be a slightly different episode than usual. We've got our normal TNT talks coming out week on week on week, uh, but this semester we've got a few interviews with a few staff, so this week is Dan, uh, and we hope that this l- kind of longer form chat is really helpful as it helps you think about uh, ministry and ministry and mission on campus and everything else uh, to do with life and uh, what it's like to be a Christian for potentially a bit of a longer time than most people at uni have been. Uh, and so, there's this one and there's a few more coming, uh, but I thought I'd let you know that's what's coming up. For now, enjoy the episode. Uh, well, welcome, Dan, to our chat. It's lovely to have you along. Nice to be here. Uh, excellent. So, uh, most of the students, I think, will know something about you because you preach at TNT, but a lot won't. So, do you want to give us a quick introduction into who is Dan? Sure. Yep, I'm Dan.
1: Um, Let's see, I'm a Christian, that's important. Mm -hmm. I'm married to Helen. Uh, God's blessed us with three kids across the years who are kind of primary and high school. Uh, Yeah, and I'm one of the staff workers at CU Monash, but you may not see me so often because I'm mainly working with Focus, which is kind of the
0: international student arm of the club. Yeah, nice. And it's uh, creeping my wrong, if I'm wrong, Mm. but... Um, you guys aren't originally from Melbourne. You're from somewhere else. That's true. Um, Helen, my wife, is a Sydney cider,
1: and uh, yeah. And then we came down here when I was growing up. I was born in Sydney, but we moved to Melbourne. We moved back to Sydney. Now I'm back in Melbourne. So I've had a foot in two camps for a long time. Um, but all those formative years, um, high school, uni, coming to Christ, getting married, all of that happened in Sydney. So yeah, we're probably Sydney ciders. Having said that, we've been here. I think it's about 17 years and far out. Some of the students have probably been only alive 17 years. So, hey, I'm about as Melbourne as you guys are, I reckon. So,
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's pretty true. And with the few years in between, you probably top yeah. a few of the students. Oh, that's right.
1: If you add it up, yeah. it's like 20-something years. Yeah, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. nice. So, tell us about your, your three kids. How old are they? What are their names? Yeah, sure.
1: Uh, there's Nate. Uh, he's 14 Um, high school and he's kind of play your cards close to your chest kind of guy the middle one is Micah he's 12 and he's the polar opposite everything hard on the sleeve emotions are all at 110 percent which I love and uh, then our youngest one is a girl Eva she's eight years old and for the moment at least she's a girly girl she does ballet and uh, wears pink and all of that yeah they're, they're all lots of fun.
0: And tell us about Helen. What does Helen do throughout the week? Because she works at a school, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, that's right. Yep. She's, um, for many years, she
1: was a homemaker. She raised the kids and, and put her job or career or whatever on hold. But yeah, the last two years, she's gone back to her thing, which is high school teaching of English literature. And um, yes, yeah, she's doing that at a, at a Christian high school called Maranatha. And I think after so many years break, she wasn't sure how that would all go, but she's really enjoying it.
0: And I have it on good authority that you have a, a hobby that you do sometimes for the kids. Um, do you want to tell us a bit about that?
1: <laughs> sure, yeah. When I was a teenager myself or in my, tw- in my uni years, me and my mates played Dungeons and Dragons. And then for the next 30 something years, I just, I didn't play, but I was into Lord of the Rings and all that fantasy kind of stuff. Yeah. And then recently, now that my kids are of age, yeah, I got back into the old D&D and d and we're rolling our d20s, and we are killing goblins, and all those all those cool things. Love it.
0: You know, I'd totally forgotten about that one. Actually, I meant computer games, but you know, we'll go with that anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do, do computer games too, yeah. but but more recently, it's it's actually been the tabletop yeah role playing game. It's interesting thinking about the differences. Like, I might play a fantasy computer game, and you've got so many choices, but on the tabletop with real humans. It's not like choose from these three or four options that we've coded into the game. You can do anything. So that's, yeah, it's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it's fun. We play that at Staff Retreat and that was good fun. Yeah, we did. Long game. That's right. Um, yeah. And do you get into the dress-ups at home? Because we didn't at Staff Retreat, but do you, do I you guys d- I don't, get on the full I don't, but I've got,
1: a, I've got a group of parents and kids that we play regularly with. I, I mean, I, I don't mind dress-ups, but no, it's not a particularly thing I do. But there's one... Um, uh, mother son combo and they're right into it so yeah they'll just they'll turn up and I'm expecting them to walk in the door with a box of you know chisels and, and get ready to play and they're fully decked out with hoods and swords and and you name it it, it, it brings yeah it brings something extra when people yeah. do that
0: mm. yeah so let's let's rewind a bit back to your teenage years mm. so you grew up in a combination of Sydney Melbourne moved around a yeah. lot yeah um, Is your family a Christian family? Did you grow up in a Christian home or tell us about home life? Yeah, so mum is Christian
1: and if I can say this respectfully, her faith now is much more mature than when we were growing up. When we were growing up, I wasn't Christian. Dad's not Christian and I think mum was, but for whatever reason, she would go to church once a month, a couple of times a month. She might drag us along at Christmas and Easter. So there was some vague awareness of... Christianity, but it, it was just not a present reality in the family. Uh, I didn't really know if there was a God. He seemed pretty irrelevant because anything you do twice a year is kind of it's not a big deal. Um, so no, I couldn't really say it was a Christian upbringing. We never read the Bible at home. We never prayed it as a, as a family or anything like that. Uh, yeah, so I grew up. I would say like a lot of Aussies, some vague awareness of Christianity, but but not a Christian, and then. Do you want to keep... Yeah, yeah keep yeah, going. Yeah. yeah. Um, what happened? Yeah. So I think my teenage years and early 20s, now my teenage years particularly, I didn't really know what I was doing, like a lot of teenagers, I guess. It's, it's a confusing time of life often. And um, I was just trying to muddle my way through. I didn't really know who I was or what I wanted to do. Looking back, I think I was actually really insecure and just didn 't know who I was uh, w- yeah what I was doing. Uh, would people like me? should they like me? Uh all of that very insecure but of course as a young man didn't want to admit to any insecurity so instead was trying to bluff my way through social situations and bravado and um i'm not very sporty i'm not very strong so my the cards i've been dealt was like i'm i'm kind of i'm brainy so my way to try and feel good about myself was to be trying to be the smart aleck on every topic and know more than other people and beat people in arguments and debates I somehow thought, oh, that'll make people respect me. (laughs) Maybe sometimes, maybe I just annoyed people. I don't know. But anyway, I found myself uh, increasingly just a bit at sea and insecure and not really liking the person that I was. Like I was this smart aleck who was trying to be smarter than everybody else. It's, It's a bit yuck. So anyway, feeling insecure. At the same time, getting into these debates with Christians who would always go, the Bible says, the Bible says, and I hadn't read it. And it annoyed me because I thought, I want to show that I'm smarter than these people. And they keep talking about this book, which I don't know anything about. So God in his kindness really was just using my arrogance against me. I, I, I picked up, we had Bibles on the shelf at home, Maybe I guess because mum's Christian. I found one, good news Bible, picked it up. No, no real Christians in my world apart from mum, but I didn't really chat to her about it. And so I thought, how, how, you know, how do you read a book? You, you start on page one and you keep reading. So no one, I wish I had a Christian friend who said, maybe try one of the Gospels, you know. Yeah. But instead it was And how like, far
0: did you get through that first read? Oh.
1: <laughs> well, Genesis was all right. You know, Genesis is a pretty cracking narrative and Exodus was okay. And I think after that hit Leviticus and Numbers and just, oh, I was drowning. Um, anyway, fast forward, uni, uh, second year, studying medicine. Um, and uh, I was on uh, the the uni I was going to in Sydney. You had to catch a bus, like a fifteen minute bus ride from the train station to uni. And there was an old friend there from school I hadn't seen for a while. I got chatting to him, and he, he introduced me to a friend of his. So a friend of a friend. This guy, I, I now know, was kind of involved in the CU. He did walk-up evangelism. He was kind of raring to go. So even though we'd only just met on the bus, he's asking me all these kind of spiritual spirituality questions. And at one point he says, um, Oh, have you ever read the Bible? And I'm like, you know, arrogant and want to prove I'm better than everybody. So I just go, Oh, yeah, actually I'm reading it at the moment. And he just asked me this great question. Oh, great. Do you understand what you're reading? And I realize... I don't have a clue what I'm reading. I think it's something to do with the history of Israel or I don't know. So I went, oh, not really. And he went, oh, you seem pretty interested. Like I've kind of painted myself back into a corner. You're you're pretty interested. You should come along to our Bible talks that we have on campus. And I'm thinking, man, I don't really want to go to this Christian thing, but I've just said I'm reading the Bible and I don't understand it. Like what sort of idiot then says, oh, no, thanks. So I thought, okay, I'll go once. I'll say it's not my thing and I'll leave. I went once, the preacher was awesome, and he pulled so much more out of one chapter of scripture than what I was getting. I just, it was a weird thing, but I got hooked. And then he's talking about Jesus, right? I hadn't even got to Jesus, but Jesus is just this compelling figure. He's smart. He's running, running rings around his opponents, but he's not arrogant. He's taking care of people. He's gentle. So I just found myself getting really intrigued with Jesus They plugged their summit conference like mad and so much so that I just thought, I think I need to go to this thing, even though I know nobody. So I took a risk. I I registered. I paid my money. And then I freaked out because I didn't have a single friend in the CU. I'd just been nicking into their Bible talks and listening and then bailing. Anyway, one of their apprentices, praise God, he, he, he called me the week before the summit and went, look, hey, Dan, it's great that you've registered for summit, but we don't really know who you are. We don't think that you know who we are. Could I give you a lift to the camp and introduce you to a few guys? And I went, yes, that would be great. Long story short, went to the camp, first talk on the Monday night of summit. The preacher said, um, if, if you die tonight and you are not sure that you would go to be with God in heaven, that's something you should sort out tonight because you can be sure because of what jesus has done and i like most aussies was thinking the way you get to heaven if there is one is by being good enough so i thought how on earth can you be sure like who who knows that they're good enough anyway that same apprentice made a beeline for me after the talk and and he hammered the gospel yeah, good old me. apprentice yeah i love the yeah. apprentices so good and that was the first time I got explained grace, that it wasn't about being good enough, but that Jesus really had done everything that needed to be done. And I, I gave my life to Christ that night.
0: So, so a simple invitation to come along and listen to a Bible talk. Yep. And there wasn't anything fancy about that invitation. It was just pretty <laughs> no. straightforward. And,
1: and this, actually, this walk-up guy was great at the walk-up, horrible at the follow-up. So he did not <laughs> connect with me or find me at the Bible talk. But yeah, yeah simple yeah. invitation that then in God's kindness got me to a summit conference where I heard the gospel and got saved.
0: Yeah. 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 And that that's up in Sydney, right? That's yeah.
1: That was at UNSW.
0: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. That's, so that's such an amazing story to hear kind of someone coming from some vague sense of knowing something about Christianity all the way through to mm. giving your life to Christ. Mm. That, that next moment after that conference, mm. cause summit's such a high point and yeah. we all know that like it's this big moment, uh, and coming to faith is a big moment. What was the next couple of months like? Yeah. Into the next year, like because you're studying med, that's pretty mm. hardcore mm. study wise. Uh, what what was that like?
1: Yeah, that's such a great question. So, um, they were hard months in a way. I was on a high. I really felt like I was heading to hell. I didn't even know I was heading to hell, but I was. And then suddenly, by God's grace, suddenly I have eternal life. I've got security. I didn't feel like, oh, these exams and this course define the rest of my life. No, no, my rest of my life is secure in Jesus. Uh, and I felt it was like the best news I've ever heard. So I started going to all my non-Christian mates, like, you need to come along to to. to we, we call it campus Bible studies, but at CU, you need to come to CU, you need to come to these Bible talks. And of course, they're, in a very, you know, they're on their own journey and their own timing. So they're like, what? No, you know, like you know, they're not struggling with the same stuff I am. So I'm trying to tell them this is the best news ever. They're going, what happened to you? Like You've got religion. Like, did someone brainwash you? What's going on? Um, we'd often go out and get drunk on a Friday night at the end of the week. That's just the silly pattern that we were in. And I started saying, oh, I'll have a beer, maybe two, but I'm not going to get drunk. And they're like, what's going on with you? So I was on this high. My friends are going, we don't get you. Something has shifted and we don't understand it. Um, yeah so they were they were tricky months because you know the 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 passion of the new the new christian is this is the best news ever surely everyone will see how wonderful it is if i just explain it well enough and i had to come to groups with "They, they may not and to this day some of those friends are like we 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 still like you dan you're a friend but we do not get the whole christian thing some of us some of them get it better some of them are still, I think their nose is still out of joint from, from all those years ago. And probably sometimes I was too blunt in my enthusiasm. You know, I was like, you're going to hell. You need to. And I probably needed a bit more nuance or to give them a bit more time. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's. So you finish um, your degree at yep. uni. Yep. Um, and then what happens next? You go out and start working as a doctor? So actually, by. My med course was six years. By about fifth year, I was thinking,
1: do I even want to be a doctor? Maybe I want to go into ministry because this had so like I think sometimes when you've grown up in a Christian family, it's just it's more taken for granted. Like it's been part of your life for, the, for your whole life, and that's awesome. Like what a privilege. But for me, it, it felt like, oh my goodness, I was dead. Now I'm alive. It was huge. And so I, I more and more I was thinking, this is massive. Uh, people need to hear. And I thought, if, if I have the gifts that I could explain the gospel to someone, and even not, even if I bring one person to Christ, I felt like that would be huge. Um, so towards the end of my degree, I started saying to my staff workers and the apprentices and stuff, um, maybe maybe I won't finish the degree. Maybe I'll just quit here and I'll go to Bible college. <laughs> and again, like just youthful enthusiasm, every Christian basically I spoke to went, don't do that. Don't do yeah. that. Like <laughs> yeah. you, you, your parents are not going to understand you being at uni for five years and leaving without a degree. Like that's the, and plus you're actually quite a new Christian. Like just take a few years, mature, grow up as a human, but also as a Christian, which is not really what I wanted to hear. I was again full of testosterone and bravado. I kind of wanted them to go, yeah, that's hardcore. Drop your course, but none of them did. So I was like, okay. Finished the degree, yeah. Started work, um, did my intern year at the hospital, had been dating Helen for a few years at this stage. So
0: she was at uni with you. Is that how you met? No, or? she
1: she was at Sydney Uni, different uni. Uh, we met at local church that I had been going to. And we were in Bible study group together and then started dating later on. That's a whole story. Um, but yeah, got
0: married at the end of first year med. And then... And was med, was med placement or like first year intern, mm. I guess, mm. was that just as crazy as it is today with the night shifts and the long shifts and yeah. the hours? And yeah, stuff? yeah, really long hours,
1: uh, weekends, nights, yeah. I, I, you know, I can remember, I don't know what the longest shift I did, but, but it was longer than 24 hours, like really long shifts, it's crazy. And you're barely coherent, you know, at 5am in the morning and stuff. So, yeah, that was hard. Um, I was pretty sure by this stage that I would like to go into ministry. So in my mind, I was thinking, I'm, I'm, I'm getting some work experience. I'm saving up some money, but God willing, heading to Bible college at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, they were, they were tough years. Um, there were some, some real moments, kind of spiritual moments there at the hospital. One of the, one of the jobs that the interns get given that no one else really wants to do is when someone dies checking that they really are dead, that they're not unconscious or something, and then writing out the death certificate. And I can remember coming in first thing in the morning at 8am and one of the nurses saying, oh, one of the old ladies died overnight, you know, maybe three, four hours ago. We know she's dead. She's down in the morgue. But you still need to go down and actually check that she is dead and write the certificate. I'd never been down in the morgue before, so they showed me where to go. It's, yeah, it's underground, it's like cold, it's dark, it's like something out of a, a Netflix series. And you go in there, and she's been lying there for hours. She's stone cold. She's probably in her 90s. Uh, and that was a moment. As a Christian, yes, like I check, you know, so you, um, you, you pinch their fingers really, really hard, and, and you do a couple of other, you know, shining lights in the pupils, checking that they are dead. Uh, but I just I remember just being there with this 90 year old lady and and just realizing really clearly like she is not here, her her body is here, but she is not. And then as a Christian thinking, well where is she? Because I, I didn't know this woman. You know, is she with Jesus in paradise? Is she in the other place? Like, uh, and just the eternal destinies being very very crystal clear to me at that point. And so that there were moments like that where I just thought yeah, I, I want to do gospel ministry. And it's not for everybody. Not every Christian has to do this. But but for me, this was clearer and clearer that, you know, this woman has gone somewhere and I don't know where. And did she know Jesus? Had anyone explained the gospel during her 90 years? I don't know. But um, that's something I want to do. Yeah,
0: mm. Yeah, that's fascinating to hear. Mm. So after a few years, you... Pack your bags in med and head to Bible college. Yeah, I, I did an apprenticeship much like
1: yep. what you are. I, mine was a bit different. I was kind of trying to show my parents um, that I had given good medicine a good try. So it was a part-time apprenticeship over two years. I did part-time ministry at the church, part-time some med. But yeah, after that, packed up my bags, went off to Bible college.
0: Yep. And so three, four years in Bible college. Yep. Uh, what was that like? Tell us about I you would, went to
1: Moore, correct? I went to Moore College in Sydney, which is the Anglican College in Sydney. I loved it because c- I'd been waiting. You know when you you want to do something but there's stalling and delaying and then you finally get there? Yeah, so I, I was just drinking it in. Um, Helen and I were married but we didn't have kids yet so I think I could just devote more time to my study than some of the guys who had who had kids, guys or, or ladies who had kids. So, yeah, I was just drinking it up. Not everybody did. I remember one of my, my mates at college going, I just want to do youth ministry. Why do I need to know bloody Greek? You know, like some, some of them were getting uh, frustrated. But but I loved it all. The church history, the Greek, Hebrew, yeah, New Testament, yeah. Old Testament, loved it.
0: So uh, with that all in mind, or maybe we'll reverse back just for a sec and go... Mm. So thinking about your youthful ending of uni when you want to go straight to Bible college, you want to mm. drop the end of uni, mm. that whole process of doing a few years of full-time work before yep. you then do an apprenticeship part-time and hit Bible college, looking back, do you think that was a wise decision? What what benefit can you see from that? Or do you actually think, no, I should have dropped early? No, no, I think it was wise. The, those older Christians were def- definitely
1: on the money. Um, it, it, it might be case-by-case case basis, but... but in general, I think um, Lee, if you've started a degree, um, finishing off that degree is wise. It will, yeah, I mean, you won't have wasted all the, the money you've paid or, or, the, um, or the hex or whatever. Um, I think it keeps parents, particularly if your parents are not fully on board, um, yeah, just seeing that, uh, seeing you finish the degree and give it a crack. Um, I think as a general, this isn't an ironclad rule, but as a general principle, finishing the things we start and growing in some perseverance and and endurance is not a bad thing. Yeah, so seeing things through, you know, there would be exceptions, but in general, seeing things through is good. Uh, If I was told, and this is right, I think that if you end up being the pastor at a church, say, or or in gospel ministry somewhere, not so much with uni students, but with other people who are working jobs, a lot of them will say, hey, what did you do before you were a pastor? And if you go, oh, nothing, I went high school, uni, Bible college, and here I am, I think you lose a bit of credibility at that point because they're looking at you going, right, so you've never done the nine to five. <laughs> you, yeah. know, you haven't done overtime." time. Um, so I think just having work experience is really valuable to relate to other people who are in the cut and thrust of working life. Um, yeah, so I think there's a lot of wisdom for me anyway in just slowing down and, and maturing and, and growing up a bit, you know. Um, I felt like, and maybe you uni, some of you uni students feel this way, like I felt like if I graduate when I'm 25, oh my goodness, med was six years, I've wasted so much time. But the reality was if you're at a patient in a hospital, you see a 25-year-old doctor, you're thinking you're too young to be my doctor, not too <laughs> yeah. old. So time's different, I think um spending a, a, an extra year
0: or two or three to graduate and work a bit is, is absolutely fine. Mm. Mm. So that's, we've done the Bible college. So you get out of Bible college, mm. raring to go. Where's, mm. your, where's your first placement?
1: Yeah, well, um, so I'm in Sydney and I'm at the Anglican College, but I didn't want to be an Anglican and be ordained and be, uh, be in one of the churches there. Uh, another thing I think that was rammed home to me in my in my Christian Union experience was you know the gospel and the the needs around the world. So um, Helen and I were thinking, we should probably get out of Sydney and maybe we should get out of Australia. So we were looking, my wife Helen is Australian-born Chinese. So she's not um, she's not like an international student, but she was at least more Asian than obviously what I am. So we were thinking, oh, maybe maybe mission in Southeast Asia. That's what we'd been thinking throughout the college years. And then at some point during the college years, someone said, well, don't, don't wait till you like on the mission field to work out if you're any good cross-culturally. Do some cross-cultural ministry here now in Australia to see if you're any good. And so I said, sure, okay, well, you're like, what do you suggest? And, and someone went, right, why don't you go back to University of New South Wales and try out their focus ministry? So my last year of college, instead of being doing a church placement, I,
0: was, I did a FOCUS placement at Uni of New South Wales. I and thought, just for those of us that don't know what FOCUS is, right? it's International Student Ministry um, of the kind of arm of CU Christian Union.
1: That's exactly yeah. right, yeah. It stands for Fellowship of Overseas Christian Union Students. But yeah, basically it's our, it's our international wing of the ministry. And that's, that exists because of language, basically. There's a few other reasons, but the main one is language. Is Because the word's so important, we want people to understand the word. And so if English is not your first language, maybe having a setting where the English is a bit slower, a bit clearer, we're watching our vocabulary, we're watching our idioms and our illustrations. This is going to help them grasp the ministry, Yeah. So I went and did that. Um, I don't have a, another language apart from English, so I did it with kind of Singaporeans and Malaysians because they all speak English as they're, they're probably their first language anyway. And I thought that was a stepping stone to the mission field, but in God's plan, I guess, um, I, I fell in love with the opportunities that exist at uni because it's kind of like the, the mission field's come to us. And so after college, I started thinking, oh, maybe, maybe not the mission field, maybe focus ministry with AFES. Um, so here's a funny story. I, towards the end of the degree, I, I called up Richard Chin, who's the, the head of AFES that, that runs all the Christian union groups around, uh, around the country, so to speak. And um, I said, hey, I'm, I'm Dan, I'm this white guy, I can use a white guy in, in focus ministry anywhere. And uh, Richard himself has a, like a Malaysian background, so he went. Ah, oh. to be honest, it'd be better if you were Asian, um, but none, not, we don't have any Asians putting their hands up at the moment. So yeah, you'll do. We'll take you. Um, so I felt, like, oh, great, thanks a lot. Um, but anyway, um, inspiring confidence. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Great. It, it wasn't. Didn't make me feel like I was God's gift to anything. But that's that's true. I'm not. So that's fine. So I, I said, okay, great. Well, where, where you know where do you need people doing focus ministry? And he just rattled off five or six unis around the country, different states, and said, "Pick one," and it ended up being Monash,
0: and I'm still here. So yeah. So what? Um, just kind of pulling pulling that apart a little bit. Like yeah. what as as a guy that's been raised in Australia, Australian born, yep. um, doesn't look anything like an international student, sure, uh, and has no other language besides English. Mm. Like what usefulness or like what what can you offer in that in that context? I guess. Yeah. No, that's a fair question. So we actually need, peop-
1: peop- we need people like me and we need people like Brian Bock, my colleague, right? So Brian is Malaysian but grew up in Shanghai, so has English, Cantonese, Mandarin, like, you know, and culturally gets it. And yeah, I'm Aussie as Aussie. Uh, I've learned stuff along the way. Being married to Helen has helped and, and, and doing focus ministry for years has helped. But, but the reality is that for the international students who are here studying in Australia – They want a safe place with other internationals where they can speak their own language and people get their own culture. But they also want to meet Australians and practice their English. And because the focus ministry is so diverse, even if I had Mandarin, I I wouldn't speak in Mandarin because that doesn't help the African students or the Latin American students. So the the lingua franca is going to have to be English here because it's just so diverse. Uh, what do I bring? I'm an Aussie and they actually want to meet Aussies and um, I can, you know, God's given me a gift. I can preach in English and I think I can preach in English fairly well and clearly to an international audience. So yeah, there's certain things that I bring um, which are, which are good. And, but then you've got a Brian Bach and he brings other things and, and Honestly, probably, he's a, he's a better focus worker overall because he gets the students better. And he do, He may not preach in Mandarin at focus, but he could run a Mandarin Bible study. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not probably the ideal focus staff worker, to be honest. But um, ministry is ministry at the end of the day. That what What the students, I think, what the students really need is not the... Perfect focus worker, whatever that is, they need people who are willing to sit down and take the time and explain the scriptures to them. And you might do that, you know, at 90% capacity or at 70%, but that doesn't matter um, because it's not really about our gift in this, is it? It's God working through us and bringing the gospel to students. So I do that the best I can with my strengths and weaknesses. Brian will bring his own strengths and weaknesses. You bring your own strengths and weaknesses and that's that's okay because God's working through us all. Yeah,
0: yeah what, are, what are some of the, the things I guess you've learned along that journey? Uh, a couple of tips or things just to help us as we think about our uh, international student friends in our classes, etc. Yeah. What are some practical tips in those conversations? Sure,
1: yeah. So yeah, you don't need to understand their culture perfectly or speak their language. If you do, far out, that's, that's a bonus. That's great. But no, for any of us, I think if you are sitting next to um, an international student in your lecture or you get paired up with them in a group assignment or something um, and you, and you want to make, make friends, I, I don't think it's hard. Um, if you are kind and a good listener and maybe you speak a little bit slower, like I am right now, and enunciate your words clearly, uh, you might be the first Australian who's bothered to do that during their whole time in Australia and they'll notice it if you're friendly and you say hey whatever it is um I- i'm gonna go see the footy on saturday i could get an extra ticket do you want to come along or hey um a few of us are gonna whatever it is a few of us are gonna go catch a film do you want to come along or Hey, it's mid-semester break. I was wondering if you wanted to come back to my family's house and and we'll you know we'll put on dinner. Do you want to come want to come to my house for dinner? Or even hey, each weekend I go to church. I, I don't know if you've ever been to church before. Do you want to come along? Any of those invitations? Again, you you may well be the first Aussie who's invited them to anything, um, and so they they will. Uh, I'll guarantee you they will love that. And they'll probably say yes, whether it's the church invite, the footy invite, they'll probably say yes because one of the students said this to me and I think it's really true. They said, Australians are really friendly but they're hard to make friends with. And Mm. I thought, oh, that's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah, so their experience at campus is not that people are being racist and horrible to them. They're being nice but no one's inviting them to anything. And so they're lonely here and they come from, say mainland china and guess what they're flatting in a house with mainland chinese people speaking mandarin eating chinese food for dinner every night and this is their international experience in australia and so if you're just friendly speak clearly invite them to
0: stuff i i think you'll have a better than average uh, strike rate Mm -hmm. yeah and so in your now quite a few years of international student ministry. Maybe, do you have like one highlight where you've seen something like this come true? Just one. Oh,
1: that's (laughs) rapidly running out of time. I have many, I have many, but okay, I'll just have to pick one. Um, One highlight. Yeah, okay. Um, we We had a dear sister in our focus ministry from Zimbabwe. She's doing a PhD here. She calls me out of the blue one day and says, Dan... Uh, I was sitting at my desk and next to me is another woman at another desk. She's also doing a PhD. She was in tears. Uh, She's an international student um, from South America. And um, I think her marriage is falling apart and she doesn't know what to do. And I said that maybe you'd talk to her. Is that okay? And honestly, I thought, far out. Like, I don't even know this woman. Her marriage is falling apart. What am I going to say? But I went, okay, yeah, sure. So um, I met up to meet this woman for the first time ever in the religious center. Uh, My wife was good. She said, take a packet of tissues. I went, thank you. Yes, that's good. I went in there. uh, We were just getting to know each other, but she was kind of desperate because she and her husband had come over from this particular country in South America, and after a couple of years here, they'd only been married for a couple of years, but he just said, I'm I'm out of here. I want to out. And so she's in overseas, and her marriage is falling apart. Anyway, um, she trusted me enough to tell me that whole story, and there were tears and all sorts of stuff. And I tried to be a good listener, and I asked questions, and I said, "That's awful." And and at one point, I just said, "I, I don't know what your religious background is, but um, but um, you know, do you do you have a faith? Like, is, does God feature anywhere here?" She had a Roman Catholic faith in her background and she said I oh, I'm not really religious like I've got this catholic background but she said um you know I I don't think I can turn to god now because he will know that I'm only turning to him in a time of need right and I should only I should really just follow him all the time not just when I need him and I just said you know what I think he would just be happy if you came back to him doesn't matter how he, he's not going to look down on you if you come to him in a time of need and she went huh Okay, I'll think about that. On the weekend, she Skyped or Zoomed or whatever back to um, family friends she had back in her South American country. So a different conversation, another country in Spanish this time. And in Spanish she says the same they say, because they're Christian, you know, maybe maybe you need God's help here in a hard time. She says, I don't think God would want me to come back just you know in a time of need. And they say, Oh, I think he'd be happy to have you come back at any like basically the same words, but in Spanish. She hears the same thing from two different people, different sides of the world, and thinks, Farad, I think maybe God's trying to say something to me here. So she came to Christ maybe a fortnight later, and within a month or six, a few months, people would ask her, how are you going? And with with a, with tears in her eyes but joy in her face, she would say, well, my marriage is falling to pieces, but I'm really sad about that. But God's brought me back to himself through that, and I'm just, full of joy because of that and mm. she's still going strong on the Lord now so uh, that story's a highlight to me because I, I it was not any of my brilliance or anything right mm-hmm. the Zimbabwean student referred it to me I just said what seemed right at the time some other couple that I've never even met back in South America said something else and God was just working through the whole thing yeah so that that's a highlight for sure
0: Absolutely. It's amazing to hear kind of how, and especially across different countries, how, how God can work Yeah, yeah. in those ways. Mm. Um, let's, let's finish and wrap up with the kind of key question, probably of the, the chat, which is why international student ministry? Why, why should we be concerned about international student ministry at all? Well, I mean... In short form, just sure, like. Sure, sure, sure.
1: <laughs> the short answer is international students are people <laughs> and we should be concerned for people right wherever they are we should be concerned for infants and 90 year olds and uh, middle-aged housewives having crises but we should also be cared for care for students and we should also care for international students and what one in three one in four students at monash are international so that's a massive proportion of the campus so yeah we should take whatever opportunities god brings our way to love
0: those students fantastic Would you, I think, uh, this is something I've picked up from someone else, but I think it'd be awesome to end our session in prayer. Would you mind praying for us and for our campus in international student ministry?
1: Yeah, I would love to. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves people, all the people that you've made, and from all the different nations. We thank you for that promise early on to Abraham that you would bless all nations Uh, we thank you for the book of Acts, it was seeing the gospel go out to all different sorts of people groups. We thank you for the the picture we see in Revelation in in our own future where people of every nation and tribe and language and tongue will be praising you. Um, And so, um, Father, we, we thank you for the ministry of Christian Union over all these decades. We thank you for our international student arm called FOCUS, And we thank you that you have tasked us, staff and students, with this job of getting the gospel of Jesus out to the campus. Lord, we long for everyone on the campus to at least know a disciple-making disciple so that they can ask questions of of a friend. Um, And we pray, Father, that we could be those friends. Uh, Help us to take the gospel out to the Aussies, but also... To the Asians and the South Americans and the Africans and the people from the Middle East and Europe and and everywhere else, please, Lord, work through us and grow your kingdom amongst uh, these
0: international students, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Monash Christian Union Bible Talk. We long to see everyone at Monash University know a disciple-making disciple of Jesus Christ. If you have been blessed by this ministry and would love to support Monash Christian Union, you can do so via the link in the podcast description.